Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. With me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. It's been a week where it's been increasingly difficult to not be mentioning the B word on the show. But we will persevere. As little as possible will we mention the B word. Uh, instead, we're going to be giving a big thumbs up to Hayes Travel, oh. uh, who both capitalising on the demise of Travel Cook to help them to expand into regions where they're currently underrepresented, and also offering a lifeline to approximately 2,500 former employees of Thomas Cook. And a big thumbs down to Twitter, who accidentally used email addresses and phone numbers of their users for advertising purposes and then decided not to tell those users. So that's an interesting data privacy Mm. issue, isn't it? Anyway, so on to this week's topic for discussion. We're skipping over the B word and we're going to the C word, Christmas. (laughs) So... um, Christmas, Heather. I know it seems a little bit early, but I've noticed that a lot of people in in companies have already booked their Christmas parties. If you're obviously involved in the Christmas market, you know, you're retailing or you're wholesaling or you're providing the service for Christmas, this planning's already been done. But I started to look at it from the point of view is maybe if I'm not directly a Christmas seasonal provider. Um, and I'm starting to think about all the things that maybe you have to consider, not least the staff Christmas party. What do you do, Heather? You're you're a, a business of one. Do you have a staff Christmas oh, party? Oh, yeah, I take myself out. Well, I stay in with a bottle of wine and uh, tell myself I've done very well and do it all again. Yeah, do it do all you, again Do next you dance? <laughs> it has been known. <laughs> It has been known, but I limit the amount of alcohol that I allow Very myself. Good. Yes. <laughs> Don't run a free bar. Now, one, one of the, the big questions uh, to do or not to do is the corporate Christmas card. What What do you do? Do you send a corporate Christmas card? Have you considered all the ramifications of so doing? I do send uh, a corporate Christmas card, an actual hard copy card that goes in the post um, because... I think that it's it's a good thing to do. I'm a small enough business that I can manage to do that. Um, and I counter that by the fact that I recycle all of my Christmas cards. That's a really good point, isn't so it? So I feel that I... Because you, you've got, on the one hand, there's, there's the, obviously the environment and you're, you're paying for something to be delivered. And then there's the recyclability of the card. So whereas you might want to send a nice expensive one with lots of gloss on it. Is that really recyclable? Certainly don't send ones with glitter and bows on. I'm not a big fan of no, glitter, no glitter and bows. bows. No. But do you do you send ones with humour on them? Do you write personal messages in them? I do. Yes. Yes. Because I, I am small important. enough yeah. that I'm able to do that. Yeah. So um what do you think when you get a, a card from a um a company and it's just printed happy Christmas from whatever whatever company mixed mixed views really sometimes i think oh at least i'm on their christmas list which is quite nice you're on their radar yeah as a supplier i mean that so that's quite nice but i think that if you're going to send one at least your main contact within that organization so if it's mr blogs in a large organization and he's the person that said i think heather noble should be on our christmas list I'd like him to have signed it. I don't want it, you know, signed by the whole company and it's all just printed. And you don't know who they are. and Yeah. yeah. So I think the purse, I'd rather not have one. And do you judge on quality as well? So if you get a Christmas card through the post and it's on the thinnest card and, you know, it's perhaps a hundred for fiver or something like that, do you go, hmm, is that all I'm worth to you? 
I don't because it still costs the same to stick a stamp on it. Um, I'm much more interested in whether or not that card has a charitable donation attached to it. So if there's so when I, the ones that I order, um, there is a contribution towards a charity because I think that kind of again mm. helps with the I, I, it, yeah the paper doesn't really matter. It's the sentiment and. If it's on recycled paper, that's fine. Okay, well, I'll let the Christmas card thing go now. Apart from to say, if you're going to send them, make sure you check when that business is closing for Christmas because there's nothing as, oh, as yeah. miserable as closing up for Christmas and then coming back in January and there's a Christmas card on the mat because nobody's really going to open that with any enthusiasm. So if if you're dealing with companies that have a shutdown over Christmas, make sure it gets there in plenty of time. And what that actually is saying, and that's why we wanted to talk about this today, even though it, it may feel a little bit early, is that it's all about planning, isn't it? Well, yeah. It's not thinking on the 12th of December, oh, crikey, I haven't sent my cards. But the stats that I looked at, they were, they were, admittedly they're 12 months old, but I, I, I imagine it's part of a trend. These were uh, Deloitte European Christmas service that they did last year. And they did it between the 8th and the 15th of October last year. So I imagine they're doing the same sort of survey now. But what they found is that November is the key month for spending on Christmas. It's, it's moved that way with more than half of people in the UK doing the majority of their shopping in November. So you do need to be planned in advance for it. It The goals are shifting. Yeah, I think that if you, as you said at the top of the show, if you are the sort of business that is heavily reliant on Christmas trends in terms of sales and income generation, then of course you, you were thinking about Christmas at Easter and you're already on to Easter eggs now. I get all of that. Um, and Mother's Day and goodness knows what else. But in terms of your staff, I was talking to a... Um, uh, a HR friend of mine, hello Kelly Mansell from ABC HR, um, about what she would be flagging up to employers from an, um, from a staffing point of view, thinking about Christmas. And she said that first of all, one of the first things you need to do is to think about what your minimum staffing levels are over the Christmas period. Now that would be very different if you're in the hospitality trade to if you're in manufacturing or if you're in um, professional services, for example. And then when you've done that, make sure that you publish shifts and expectations in terms of hours as early as possible with as much notice as possible so that staff know where they are. And in terms of holiday requests, make sure that they're fair. She said, you know, some people, they come back to work in January and book Christmas off next year and they do that every year. If you operate a first-come, first-serve basis, that's not necessarily that fair. So um, it's it's looking at what's fair and, and speaking with your staff to see whether there'll be some people who aren't that bothered about Christmas, more bothered about New Year. So work with your staff as much as possible. Um, so it, that's about preparation. And then one thing we talked about the Christmas party, she said that um, beware of running a free bar at a Christmas party. Oh, yes. That in actual fact, it is better to give tokens for a few drinks rather than the whole free bar. So you don't want to be seen to be bar humbug by saying it's a paid for bar. But, you know, there's half a bottle of wine for everybody or whatever. Yeah, it can get messy. It can get very messy. Yes. Yeah. But the thing that an article that I found that I thought was really interesting was thinking about Christmas uh, incentives and, and benefits, and um, it's published by a HR company based down south, um, and they published it last month. And they were talking about, 
you know the the whole um, workplace well-being and health and people being um, looked after by their employers actually the whole idea of saying yeah let's eat lots and drink lots might be starting to become old hat and that it might be worth thinking about vouchers for um, holistic treatments that's a nice idea so different ways of rewarding uh, it could be uh, experiences it could be some paid time off it could be time off to volunteer uh, it could be e-vouchers. So starting to think slightly differently rather than thinking, well, we just throw a big party for everybody. Yeah, that might not be everybody's cup of tea no, either. I'm not a great fan of a, of a, a Christmas party. Um, in fact, whenever I used to go, I didn't drink because I felt that I was still at work. Yeah, you know, and, and that is what some people might forget if you've yeah, got the, yeah. the free bar. It's like yeah, you... Some bosses might forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. So it was just a different way of thinking about, if you're thinking about how to, to reward your Don't assume you know what is the right thing, yeah. I yeah. guess. There are the other message. ways to do it. So that's Christmas all wrapped up then. You're listening to the business community on Callum FM and couple of news articles that I've noticed this week. Um, One in positive news that I saw, which is about a returnable lunchbox scheme, which I thought was a lovely idea. I love positive news. It's a great, great magazine, isn't it? Um, Well, magazine used to be a newspaper, newspaper, but it's now more like a magazine, isn't it? Um, Anyway, this has been trialled at um, Pimlico, at the food market there. Um, The Tackbrook Street Market in Pimlico. I don't know that. I've never been. But what happens is... Um, when you're ordering your meal, you flash your membership card um, at the people who are selling the food in this food market. Uh, they give you your takeaway in a biodegradable lunchbox, which is made of rice husks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means you can eat it. Probably not. I wouldn't. I, w- I wouldn't. <laughs> it's supposed to be returned and washed. Anyway, each box is given a barcode, which is scanned along with your membership card. And then when you've eaten your food, you can take the lunchbox back to another drop-off point. And at the moment, they're using Waitrose as one of the drop-off points. And you rescan it to confirm its return. And then the dirty lunchboxes are taken away, cleaned and delivered back to the food vendors for the process to begin again. The scheme costs £5 to subscribe to and it's been operated by a startup called Collie Box, as oh. in the cauliflower, Collie, oh. uh, in partnership with Westminster Council and the local food vendors and with the aim of stopping the use of single-use containers. So I think that's a really great idea. Um, they've only got a couple of hundred lunchboxes in circulation at the moment, but if the trial proves a success, then they will make it more available. That's like something that Shrewsbury do and Oswestry are just about to start doing, which is the Oswestry Cup, which is a reusable coffee cup. Um, And you pay a pound for it and you buy your coffee in it and you can return it at any of the parties. So you don't have to carry it in your bag. No. Or you can go to the next coffee shop, hand that mug in, they'll give you another mug, fill it with coffee. So that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. and and I do carry my reusable coffee mug in my bag, but the drips end up. I need a better mug, really, don't I? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that seems to be a way forward, doesn't it? Yeah, good. I like that idea. And then um, the other news story was in uh, North Wales Live. Uh, It was nice to see a positive news story about a former guest, Kath Harrison. Her business, JVP Group, have just moved premises. Uh, They moved to St Asaph Business Park. Uh, They've got nine staff on the books at the moment and they're planning 
looking to increase to 20 staff in the next three years. So that's a, a real good news story, looking to take their turnover to 5 million in five years. So uh, the Economy Secretary, um, Ken Skates, was there for the official opening of the offices and there was a nice photo shoot. So well, well done to Kath and uh, to your business JVP group for that. Good luck to the team there. I've um, looked at the fact that today uh, it probably has has caught your eye that it's World Mental Health Day yeah. and the theme this year is suicide prevention and there's some, there are some astounding statistics around suicide, particularly in the young, particularly in young men. Uh, and um, I've suffered with mental health uh, issues in the past. Uh, it's, it's rife, it's everywhere. Yeah, I hold my hand up, me yeah. too, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's and the whole you know it's okay not to be okay is a fantastic campaign, but I found a really inter- a couple of really interesting things. Well, I think they're really interesting. But there was a really interesting article in the Harvard Business Review, um, which is titled uh, "GDP is not a measure of well-being." A gross domestic product. Yeah, yeah, and. I'm just trying to open the blooming link now. It's not working for me. It's not a measure of human well-being. So we look at the GDP of of a country and we think, OK, that's that's a successful country. Everything's tickety-boo. But actually, there there isn't a direct correlation between that and how well off people are, um, the, the quality of life that people have. Uh, how many people are so some of you know some very rich countries have very poor living standards for a lot of the population um, it's an article in Harvard Business Review as I say uh, and I will put a tag to it on our on our blog because it's it really is um, quite thought-provoking in terms of we think money is the is the measure of success and do you know what it actually isn't um, then uh, Myers-Briggs uh, I'm a Myers-Briggs practitioner, so this is something that is very dear to me, um, have, have just released a report which is about well-being in the workplace and why it matters for the performance of that organisation and what you can do to improve it. And again, I will put a link to that report, some really interesting information around um, the things that affect workplace well-being, whether it's age, gender, occupation, um, and how you can start to combat some of those issues. And then another nice a little uh, good news story that was in um, FG Insight. I don't really know where I found... I've got a list of places where I look for interesting stories and I don't really know where I found this, but that's where it is. Just landed on your doorstep. Just landed on my doorstep. And it's about a guy who, an ex-farmer, a lot of mental health issues amongst the farming community, uh, particularly male farmers, uh, a former farmer has launched a coffee business um, which uh, is going to make contribution to the mental health charity Make Tiny Changes. So a coffee business, do you, do you mean he's, he's not growing coffee, clearly, in the UK? No, no, he's he's selling he's selling coffee. OK. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, but it's more the fact that he's diversified away from farming um, and because of his mental health issues he's pursued something else um, and then is using that to raise some funds towards uh, mental health awareness Um, he's based up in Scotland and um, yeah he basically sold all his sheep um, works on a little farm somewhere else to to keep his farming knowledge up to date but um, but no longer does his own shepherding and uh, yeah so an interesting one
In the discovery section this week, I've got an event that Tracy and I are going to in a couple of weeks' time. Yay! Yay! We're, yeah, a day out, a day out. Um, it's a free event, which is always a bonus, and it's called the Festival of Enterprise. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? It does, festival. doesn't it? I know, a festival. It's the 23rd to the 24th of October at um, Birmingham, Birmingham NEC. Yep. And um, it's got... A whole, a massive agenda, a whole range of speakers, lots of workshoppy type things. Um, and it just looks like an all round good event. Uh, we're going along because, well, we want to see what's, you know, what are the buzzwords? What's, what's, happening? what's happening? What's happening? There's a networking opportunity. That There's a little exhibition. Um, and then, as I, as I say, we've there's... Um, and we're looking for material for the discovery section and for we're the looking, next few weeks. Yes, yeah, we are indeed. Um, one of the keynote speakers that I'm interested in seeing is Lord Billamora, who founder of Cobra Beer, um, which I'm hoping that we will be able... But I Sample. Guess, yeah, not the beer. <laughs> <laughs> not the beer. But, it, but it's it's... It's aimed at enterprise in general. There'll be young people, be people who are, are look. If you're thinking of starting a business, um, if you've got a business idea, there'll be funding opportunities. So um, yeah, so that is the festival of enterprise. Free tickets at the NEC. I'll put a link on the. Uh, on our website, thebusiness.community. Yes, of course. Well, and we'll also be sharing all of those, drip-feeding you perhaps with our discoveries. Or maybe we'll just go, bleh, one day. Blurt it all out. Blurt it all out because it's been so exciting. Well, me, I've stuck with the Christmas theme. And uh, I I was having a look around for what would make good Christmas gifts for entrepreneurs. So... Essentially, I'm coming up with a wish list here and sharing it publicly. everything on it. Yeah, okay. (laughs) please. Um, And I, I found a... A couple of interesting lists. I'll give a special mention to one because it's where I got most of the um, fresh ideas from. And this is a website called hustletostartup.com. And they've got an article, Gifts for Entrepreneurs, which is exactly what I was searching for. They got me with number one. Okay. Tile mate. Have you ever heard of a tile mate? Oh, is it? I think I've got one. Is Have it you the got thing a where mate? you can find your keys from find your phone your keys. or your phone from your keys? Yeah, it's like find your iPhone. Yeah. But you, it's like a little tag and yes. you can put it on your, your keys or your bag. My has got about four of them. Basically, everything that he owns has he got tags, one on. Yeah. yeah. So that's the idea. Um, you, you attach it to whatever it is you want to tag. And it's it's like a, um, it's a small, it's something like it's a coin size, than a isn't it? Yeah. Piece, yeah. Um, and then you use an app on your phone to locate it or it makes a loud noise. So in the same way you can find your phone, if you've lost that, you can get it to beep. Um, you can also tell you where it is so that's 19.99 for one of those the great we- thing about that is that you can use your phone to find out where your keys are but if you've got your keys and you've got the tile on it you can press the tile and it all to find your phone. find your phone perfect if you've lost both then you're stuffed now yeah. go and get your laptop and then you can get it off there yes, yes. All perfect. Then there's all the usual suspects, which I would go, yeah, these are always on my list no matter what. A decent notebook, a really big whiteboard, some replacement whiteboard pens. Don't underestimate the replacement pens. Headphones, good coffee-making equipment, portable chargers, usual suspects. There's one that took me surprise. And and on this list, it says a long phone cable so that you can read in bed. I thought, oh, that's all contrary to... Um, all, all what they say for oh, yeah. good sleep hygiene, it's not very good. However, I have to admit that there are there are occasions when I've really enjoyed having that six foot long cable so that I can turn over in bed. Yes. And, yeah. So maybe 
do what I say, not what I do. But the phone cable for me has been, per, you know, very useful. The point they made to make in the article is, yes, yes, you shouldn't have your phone in bed. And I agree. However, it says there are occasions as an entrepreneur when you wake up in the middle of the night and you've just got to do such and such. You've just thought of this. And OK, we're, we're none of us perfect, are we? Um, but I can can say it might not be good for your, your mental health. It might not be good for your business necessarily, but it certainly helps you back if you can roll over in bed. I spent <laughs> an awful lot of time sort of leaning slightly one way to make sure that the cable will reach to my bedside yes. PowerPoint. So, so that's yeah. not good for your back. Is no, it's it? not. If you're going to use your phone, at least at least make accept it. that you're using it yeah. and make it easy. Yeah. Um, then there's the smartwatch to make sure you get up and move around a bit. Yeah. Very easy to get stuck in one place. Then I love this. The waterproof notebook for the shower. What? Something called Aquanote. Well, you can get these waterproof notebooks anyway because, you know, if you're making notes out on site and, you know, you're okay. you're involved in, in business where you've got to go out in the rain. However, this one, Aquanote, it's about £10 and it includes suction pads on the pad itself so you can stick it to your tiles and a suction pad on the pencil. So you can... <laughs> You know that you get inspiration in the shower while you haven't. You can write it down. I'm barely awake in the shower. Never mind inspiration. Um, then another suggestion was a robot vacuum cleaner. But I would would wholeheartedly go for the full on just hire a cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> but the the four hundred quid you spend on a robot vacuum cleaner, consider paying a cleaner weekly. Is that the ones that you see videos where there are cats sitting on them going around the kitchen? Oh, you know, I heard an awful story about that. Oh. Can I, sh- I can share it on air. Um, a friend of a friend. This, this could be just a completely made-up story, but I like to think it's completely real. A friend of a friend had one of these robot vacuum cleaners. The cat was a bit poorly and left, oh. its, left its doings on the floor. Oh. And the robot vacuum cleaner spread it all around the carpet oh, quite helpfully. No. <laughs> One of the downsides of a robot oh, vacuum cleaner. Okay. Yeah, all those lovely pictures of your cat sitting on the robot vacuum cleaner. This it's, this one was yeah, sat for the other extra side letter. Of that story. Oh. <laughs> um, other ideas: um, subscription to a physical magazine. And we talk a lot about different magazines, and we can't subscribe to all of them. And there are some way you can get the online version for free. But actually, sometimes it's quite nice to have whatever you know, your entrepreneur is interested in, yep. subscribe to a magazine for them. An adjustable laptop table so you can turn your desk into a standing desk. Yeah. Okay. They're about 20 quid, 20 to 30 quid. Um, some standing desks can be really expensive, but if you just want a, a stand to put your computer on, that's a great idea. Other ideas, I have myself, tickets to an event. Yeah. 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 Coaching. Especially a free event. Yeah, I've got your tickets to yeah. the Festival of Enterprise. Buy your entrepreneur some coaching sessions. Why don't you? And I can say that because I'm not selling coaching sessions. Unlike some people (laughs) in the room. Good pens, Sharpies, Kindle Unlimited subscription or an Audible subscription if people are are doing a lot of travelling. Maybe they want to listen to those business books in the car as they're travelling or on the train. Or my, my final suggestion there is the gift of time. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's I mean, that's a good one for your mum, actually. Yeah. Mum, that's all mums want, isn't it? Is time. Just want some time. So yeah. if you, I mean, we're thinking here of an entrepreneur here, they're always short of time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so, too. you know, offering to help with something, offering to help with their filing. That would be a great one for me. Yeah. Somebody come do my filing. That yeah. would make a fabulous Christmas present. I don't think there's anything on that list that I don't want. No, exactly. So um, anybody who's thinking of getting me a Christmas present, there you go. Don't say you couldn't think what to get yeah. me. It's absolutely perfect. 
You're listening to the Business Community on Callan FM. And this afternoon, we've got the treat of having a live guest in the studio. Um, they've just arrived in the, the radio station, so um, we're just allowing them to get their breath back and settle in. But we've, we're um, pleased to say we've got the president of the Institution of Civil Engineers here again. Although it's a different person, yes. it's still the same role. Yeah, last year we had Professor Lord Robert Mayer, who was sharing his, uh, his stories about some of the massive civil engineering projects he's been involved with, like the Channel Tunnel and uh, the extension to the Piccadilly line for Millennium and, and all of those types of things. So um, so we have Andrew Wiley, um, uh, CBE, who's going to be joining us very soon. Okay. And that's part of... Um, Careers Fair that's, careers fair that's yep. taking place on campus here at Glyndor today. So um, if you haven't... Uh, if you haven't already done so, you want to hot foot it down to Glyndor campus and see what sort of career opportunities are available here at the university. And talking about careers, and um, just quickly mention that you did, you did a talk, I noticed you, you posted on your business Facebook page, to some year 10s, was it? Yes, yeah, so they're 14, 15 years of age. And what, yeah. that was about CV writing, was it? Yeah, they're doing some CV writing this week and they wanted uh, a business perspective on the types of things, the type of content that is valid it's very difficult when you're 14 or 15 and you're looking for some work experience or for a job to draw on you know you haven't had a job before um so it was talking to them about you know volunteering and the types of things that you, you might have done as a young person and that applies you know you might be just out of university but it's drawing on have you done volunteering what sport activities you involved in um what interests do you have uh where have you traveled what yeah. what what um, what knowledge you bring to a place, what attitude you bring to a place. And I would say it's really important for, for young people or anybody thinking of writing a CV now to update your skills and knowledge with CV writing because when I wrote them when I was leaving university, they were a very different animal yes. to now. So yeah. don't just rely on asking your parents or even your grandparents no. as to how to write a CV. That There's very specific skills to actually doing that. So yes. um, getting somebody like Heather in to do a talk, perfect. And the one thing I would just say about that is any for anybody who's listening, if you're applying for a job... Do what they ask you to do. If they ask you to fill in an application form, fill in the application form. Don't send your CV. If they ask you to send a CV with a covering letter, send a CV. Follow the instructions. And can I just say, as somebody who's done recruitment recently, please do use the proper punctuation. Use capital letters. And as best you can, do do the grammar correctly. But certainly... The one big turn-off for me is is reading a CV or an application where no capital letters are used. I mean, what's that about? Yeah. Anyway, um, I notice that Andrew seems to be ready to come into the studio, so we'll play a quick song, and then we'll be interviewing the president of the Institution of Civil Engineers. So joining us in the studio this afternoon is Andrew Wiley, CBE, who is the 154th president of the Institution of Civil Engineers. So there's a big line of people who've gone before you, Andrew. When did you take over the position? Um, In last November. So I've nearly done my year. I am the 154th. um, And it's an organisation that's 200 years old, a growing successful institution with 92,000 members in over 150 countries around the world with a very clear purpose of improving the lives of millions of people around the world in the global society in which we live. So when we hear the term uh, civil engineer we think oh okay so uh, that's that's just building stuff isn't it but it's so much more than that particularly here we are in the 21st century tell us a bit about what 
a civil engineer actually does? Well, it's absolutely so much more than that. And civil engineering is like every other sector of our economy, not just in the UK, but around the world. We are now well and truly into this fourth industrial revolution, Mm -hmm. characterised by a fusion of technology breakthroughs that's blurring the edges between a whole series of traditional boundaries around the physical, biological, um, digital, and whether it's quantum computing, nanotechnology, um, robotics, artificial intelligence, there's now a whole range of new tools available to civil engineers to improve people's lives. And in many ways, it would be no different from the discussion we might have about retailing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is online retailing retailing? Well, absolutely. Yeah. But there's no physical shop. Yeah. And it's no different for civil engineering. And, and I noticed a term referred to um, as smart infrastructure. I've never heard of that. And we've, we've done a show about the fourth industrial re- revolution and about the Internet of Things and all of that. Not heard the term smart infrastructure before. So can you expand on what that is? Well, just to give you a simple example, um, you're looking to undertake a journey of 200 miles. And up until now, if you were going to make that journey by car, you'd jump in your car, you'd set off on that journey, and you'd actually have relatively limited real-time information about choices of route, weather conditions between here and your destination, um, traffic conditions, etc., With the development of a whole series of new technologies, we are increasingly seeing the ability for the vehicle to talk to the physical infrastructure, i.e. the road, and to talk to you and I as road users or drivers, giving us much better real-time information about how we might get to that location. And I'm sure many of your listeners will now be using the app Waze um, to get from A to B. No, I don't know that one. No, Do you know that one? That one? Well, well, again, W-A-Z-E. Okay. Uh, I'm not okay. here necessarily Excellent. to plug that particular app. There are others available. Yep. Yep. But the point is that this is the combination of technology and fulfilling the fundamental need of wanting to give us journey time predictability. Because if you're running a business and you don't know whether that 200 miles is going to take four hours or 40 minutes, yep. Yep. Um, that can make a fundamentally significant impact on yeah. your business. Even for an individual, but if you've yep. got a fleet of vehicles out there, yep. that, the impact of that it can be massive. Well, and the way this manifests itself for us as engineers involved with infrastructure, had we had this conversation five years ago maybe, um, the expectation of society would have been, well, I want next day delivery, guarantee. Yeah. That would have been a revolution. Next hour now. Exactly, yes. exactly yeah. the point. And it's if you're in the business of logistics and providing services that now have an hour by hour, and not just by hour by hour, but I'm going to decide whether it's my house or the local garage and where you deliver that item to, that's not a simple case of multiplying by two yes. the number of vehicles you need mm. to achieve that. The sophistication of that, logistics operation increases exponentially. The good news is through robotics, artificial intelligence, um, there are all sorts of new tools and techniques that are making that our delivery slot now the norm. Yeah. Which are benefiting all sorts of people who might be out to work and can't be there for the delivery and chucking it over the fence is no longer acceptable. 
we were talking a couple of weeks ago about supply chain and of course you know that in itself you know massive distribution and logistics that's a huge thing and it when you join all of that sophistication with the engineering infrastructure that you're talking about it it all enhances the customer experience speeds up because our demand is we want it now and we want it where we want it as you've just said yeah and a, a, a small example of that in terms of logistics uh Quite rightly, and it's very topical, um, we care passionately about the environment and sustainability. And when we make a commitment to zero carbon by 2050, we sort of genuinely mean that. But linking that um, greater public good objective with good logistics performance, um, there are trials taking place on the UK road network now, for example, using connected pelotons of HGV, heavy goods vehicles. Okay. This is effectively using active cruise. So this is not driverless vehicles. Yeah. This is using active cruise control to allow three HGV vehicles to run closer together. Yeah. Same effect as a peloton. It reduces wind resistance, so you get greater fuel efficiency. So they're you're slipstreaming re- each other. Absolutely. You're reducing emissions. You're also increasing the capacity of the road network because yeah. you're getting more Stops vehicles. Stops all that bunching up mm-hmm. and Absolutely. Then you're getting yeah. more vehicles on an existing network because it's no longer acceptable to build brand new motorways to solve yeah. society's need for better logistics and faster. We've got to apply technology to get much more out of our existing infrastructure. And that's where the big emphasis on smart infrastructure is. There's a lot of challenges coming, but what are the most exciting projects you've already seen in your career? Well, I, I don't necessarily see them as challenges. I just see opportunities all over the yeah. place. This is, there has never been a better time to have a career in civil engineering. We're here at the university talking to students. Um, I was at Bath University yesterday. I was at Cambridge University three weeks ago. Um, there is a whole generation. Of excitement. Of new, exactly. Yeah. Passion, real commitment to some of the big tickets that we have in our society, whether it's population, there's going to be... 10 billion people living in an urban environment on our planet by 2050. Now, you can either see that as a challenge or you can see that as massive opportunity. Um, And there are huge business opportunities um, for entrepreneurial, fast-moving organisations who can see how their expertise can be deployed to improve our lives and at the same time create a sustainable, fast-growing business. So... You're clearly passionate about civil engineering. When did you get into it? How did you get into it? How did you know, I, I want to be a civil engineer? Or did, did you fall into civil engineering by accident? No, I mean, I, I, have a, I have a great desire and enjoyment of seeing an outcome. You asked about what was you know, one of my yeah. more memorable projects. Um, I was fortunate enough to be involved with the redevelopment of St Pancras Station in London, which is the nice. for for the high-speed... That's a good name drop. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The high-speed rail network to Paris. I walked through there yesterday. I still get <laughs> hairs going up on the back of the neck. It's just a phenomenal place. It's a destination. It's a shopping centre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a buzz of excitement. We're just about to go... To Europe on the train is just a phenomenal place. How did you know you were going to get that from this career, though? Well, I, I was that child who had the Lego and the model railway. Yeah. Um, and so that physical manifestation of that desire, I, I was always Do it with real with things, yeah. But I've had the good fortune of not just being involved with physical projects like St Pancras Station. 
um, but more recently through my being chief executive of Costain for 14 years, which I've just finished doing, actually creating growing, thriving businesses that are doing something meaningful for society. And this role of president of the Institution of Civil Engineers gives me the opportunity to represent 92,000 civil yeah. engineers yeah. around the world who I've, I've been to every region of the UK in the last 12 months. I've been to Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, Dublin. I was in Toronto a couple of weeks ago. Everywhere you go, there are people doing extraordinary things. Can you travel without critiquing the work that other people have done on civils? <laughs> Do you go around looking at curbs and thinking, oh, I wouldn't have done it like that, or oh, bridges? And You sound like my wife. <laughs> um, I, I, I know a few civil engineers. <laughs> yes, I've been on car um, journeys with them. Unfortunately, I can't help <laughs> dropping in. Oh, that looks like a transition curve to me into my in some of my more domestic conversations. But, you know, I... I People love doing what they do. I love doing what I do. It's a, I have the privilege of this role for a year, but to be involved with a career where you can so tangibly make a difference. So it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, um, that where, you're, where you come from is if somebody can imagine it, you can figure out how to create it. In yeah, um, yes, but I would go further than that. I, I would say... And we were just having a conversation with some of the students here earlier this morning. What What is the issue we're trying to solve? Okay. Um, not how we're going to solve it. That's a, not easy, but that's a secondary issue. Yeah, yeah. How are we going to sort out climate change? How are we going to sort out um, zero carbon by 20? So the big issues. How are we going to yeah. sort out urbanization or population growth? Yeah. Big, big yeah. problems. And we've got choices. Um because who would have imagined 10 years ago that the price of offshore wind turbines would have dropped by the, the amount it has? And so the tools and techniques set engineers a challenge, as you describe it. Yeah. Or a, um, we want to solve this problem. Engineers roll their sleeve. They love that. Yeah. Um, and they get really excited about it and they come up with all sorts of ideas which is why you see so many transformational benefits that um, in our society every day from the contribution of not just civil engineers, but engineers in general. Um, the examples that you were giving about the, um, the haulage, you know, the peloton of, of, of HGVs, and I was talking to somebody this week and they were talking about roads that will have the ability to charge electric vehicles so that they'll be charging through through the road infrastructure as they go along and those types of things it's space age stuff you know i mean i'm in my 50s you know if somebody had talked to me about this when i was a kid i'd be like oh yeah that because it, it's so far removed so if we roll forward another 30 years it's there's stuff that we can't even begin to anticipate isn't there that yeah i i well yes is the answer the, right. my but to that is i don't think you need to roll it forward 30 years you know, if, if you're a, the government's keen on industrial, the, the notion of industrial strategy. Um, this is where the nation will be good at a number of key sectors. Green paper for consultation was issued about two and a half years ago. And I happened to be doing um, our full year results around the city at the time. And as part of our research for our response to that consultation, asked all the fund managers in the investment houses in the city the banks, the sales teams, and the brokers. Simple question. Can you name in any sector 
a growing and successful business in any sector that hasn't fundamentally transformed or enhanced its product or service in the last two years? Can you think in any sector of a growing and successful business that has stagnated and is growing no, 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 as a no, 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 hasn't transformed its product yeah, or service yeah. at the enter not in the divisional level at the enterprise level right. in the last two years can you think of one mm. no well you're shaking your head no. well funny no. enough nor could they shaking your head on the radio doesn't yeah. always no. work no, no. no. <laughs> the, the, the point is that if you want to be the leader of a growing and successful business in another two years time never mind 30 years time yeah, yeah. what does it imply you've got to do again to your business so we're going to see the type of transformational change not in 30 years time but in three years time yeah. because you can't think of a growing and successful organization that hasn't implemented yep. that transformation and that's the manifestation of this fourth industrial revolution those timelines have become so i'm shrunk. i'm guessing and you're here for the careers fair at glendora um today and that there are a lot of careers in civil engineering and are there lots of different entry points, or is there one particular way that you become involved in civil engineering? No, the, the, the analogy I use is imagine the three of us have got the challenge or opportunity tomorrow of setting up a brand new civil engineering business, the purpose of which is to improve lives in our global society. And you've got a piece of paper with 100 slots on it, and you can recruit 100 people. And it's entirely your choice, knowing what you know about some of the big questions about developments of technology, the sort of skills, the capabilities you might need. You've got a hundred slots to fill. We would come up with three different answers between us, mm -hmm. but I would be astonished if you didn't put data analyst in today's environment on your list or algorithm writer to write the algorithms that make yeah. the smart vehicles talk to the infrastructure. I'd be astonished if you didn't put sustainability expert or media expert to get your message across to your customers, or English graduate or um, who can take a complex idea and put it into three lines of text and, or <laughs> to communicate, etc. Yeah. Yeah. The point being, a successful civil engineering business, tear up any preconception that you had about what civil engineering is about, or frankly, any business in 2019 in the environment we're now operating in, and think of that 100 people that you need for your growing and successful business for the next two years. And it's a very wide and disparate range of expertise, skills, capabilities that I think you, every enterprise needs to be successful. And so where would you, if somebody's listening now, and, and or indeed when you're talking to people at the careers fairs that you've been going around, where would you signpost people to if it's piqued their interest in some way and they want to start to explore whether it's a path that they might want to find out more about? Well, they've got lots of choices. We are blessed in this country with some of the finest academic institutions on the planet. And so um, every leading um, college or university has got lots of roots in. Um, there's places like the Institution of Civil Engineers, which has various pr uh, programs, at apprentice, graduate, student, um, which, whichever route you wish to take. But my overarching... Um, advice would be do something you really enjoy, something you're really passionate about and don't worry about what label that profession has because if you go out there into the jobs market with a real passion for what it is, whatever it is you do, there are lots of people who will want to employ you because you know, 
in my chief exec role at Costain, you know, what I really wanted was a highly motivated team of people with the right values, the right behaviours, can-do attitude. And it's amazing what you can achieve when you've got a team of people like that. There you go, folks. That's the best advice from the top. Um, do what you love and there'll, there'll be a place for you in probably in civil engineering as well. But anywhere, because uh, as you say, employers are looking for the right attitude and the right approach. Well, thank you very much. We've gone over our allotted time somewhat, but uh, I didn't want to wrap that up too quickly. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and um, we, we hope that you go and have an enjoyable lunch now. Sorry to have kept you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much indeed. So that's all we've got time for this week on the business community on Callan FM. Please do join us again next week for more news, views and re- reviews, even if I can get the words out, from the world of business. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.